Resorts, homes and a newly built hospital have been washed away. No electricity, nothing whatsoever. We need to be prepared for the future. I'm just holding on for dear life here. This isn't fun. Pacific prepared. Pacific prepared. Plan this time before disaster strike. Every natural disaster gets worse. What happens when something goes wrong and how do they respond to it? And make sure everyone's safety comes first. Save what for dream. You must ready. Clearing roads, restoring critical infrastructure. Eventually, I know it's going to hit. It's only a matter of time. Helping your community. Helping your family. Helping you. Pacific prepared. Pacific prepared. Pacific prepared. Hello and welcome to Pacific Prepared. I'm Fred Hooper. We've got a great team of reporters who are on the ground chatting to you and the stories we bring you could help you, your family and your community prepare for natural disasters. The weather and how it affects you is already part of your life. So let's keep talking about being prepared. On today's show, even though you're not hearing about it as much, the Palau government is reminding people that COVID is still around. Also, the new way that governments are trying to reach communities with health messages and information. And climate change and your health. Hear about how those two are connected and what's happening in Kiribati to try and help. That's all coming up. This is Pacific Prepared. People's lives have been affected by a disaster. Know what to do. Know what to do. Know what to do. Clearing roads, restoring critical infrastructure. See, all the signs are coming. So we have to prepare. Be prepared. Pacific Prepared. I think it's fair to say that COVID-19 has slowly started disappearing from social media feeds and news bulletins across the Pacific. I'm certainly not saying that the pandemic is over, but it does feel like the news about the pandemic has dried up. The message in Palau recently was, while there's still not as much news about the pandemic, it's not over. Pacific prepared Palau-based reporter Janice Ruetingna spoke with the Minister for Health in Palau, Gafar Uba Halau. The minister wanted to explain why it's important to remind people that the pandemic is not over in Palau just yet. Yeah, so I guess that's part of the challenge uh, moving forward is is uh, this uh, uh, new normal. Um, you know, how do we move on, not from COVID, but with COVID? And so in recent weeks, in the past two or three weeks, we've uh, we've started to see uh, another surge, a small surge in, case, uh, surge in cases, COVID cases, as well as hospitalization. So... Uh, I think that uh, uh, is justification enough for us to uh, remind the community that, um, you know, COVID is still around and, and uh, we want to make sure that we are uh, as safe as, uh, as we can be. And that means um, even though we've uh, eased restrictions in terms of uh, entry uh, requirements into Palau, as well as uh, some of the mask mandates, uh, we also want to promote individual uh, awareness and uh, responsibility, especially for those in the community that have underlying medical conditions or may be residing with someone who is uh, vulnerable for severe COVID. Uh, we just want to keep that reminder in place for people to be, uh, to be careful and to be wary and to uh, practice the preventive measures as much as they can. Will there be new boosters for adults and those over 50 years old? There's a booster for 12 years old and below. Is there going to be a second booster shot? 
Yes, yeah, so right, yeah, right now we've uh, suspended all um, uh, COVID-19 vaccination uh, initiatives uh, while we plan for the the new um, the new rollout of the booster. So, if uh, if you've seen in uh, uh, the news lately, um, US FDA and CDC have uh, announced the uh, the Omicron um, specific vaccine uh, that will. Well, will be available starting this week, actually. So, planning is ongoing with our um, MassVax uh, team, and a new schedule will come out uh, to inform the public of when and where they can get their uh, next round of boosters. The Minister for Health in Palau, Gafar Ubahlau, speaking with Pacific Prepared Palau-based reporter Janice Oretinga. The time to prepare is now, not right before an emergency. No electricity, nothing whatsoever. You are listening to Pacific Prepared. Also in Palau, the government has been looking at how they get their messages and information to communities, looking for ways outside the traditional methods. And they've created something that they say is more accessible and just easier for people to get. Hello, everyone. My name is Ripka Kintaro, and I am the program manager of the Palau Community Guidance Centre. Welcome to the latest episode of the official MHHS podcast. Pacific Prepared Palau-based reporter Janice Oretina spoke with the Ministry of Health about their newly created podcast and the idea behind it. We'll be diving into the topic of substance use. And Can you explain uh, what's the purpose of setting up uh, the podcast for the Ministry of Health and Human Services? Will it help uh, reach more people? Absolutely. So the purpose of the podcast and and the reason why we wanted to start it um, was really looking at uh, two things. Uh, One is um, being able to being able to utilize uh, evolving technology. So as uh, Janice, as you know, as a media personnel here in Palau, the Ministry of Health uh, and Human Services has traditionally used uh, mainstream media. Uh, so, for example, radio for radio talk shows, TV uh, for uh, uh, TV spots, uh, and then the print material, so newspapers. We, we wanted to um, to diversify a little bit, if you will, uh, with our, our messaging. And um, so with the availability of podcasts, uh, it allows us to uh, have more focus on the content uh, as well as... Um, uh, have it accessible at any time for anybody to access online, uh, you know, just stream it off the, the platforms. So it, it allows us more um, uh, exposure, I guess, to a wider uh, audience in the community. And uh, we're starting off with the podcast entirely in English, um, knowing that uh, there are foreigners that also reside in Palau. And I think um, uh, a lot of our messaging uh uh, if not translated, um, talk shows are usually done in Palau, and so essentially, you know, we, we miss uh, a lot of the the um, the audience members in the community. And of course, health information should be accessible uh, universally. So that's also the reason why we chose a podcast, so that it's easier for uh, anybody and everybody to access. And the second uh, reasoning for the podcast is from a health equity standpoint. So again, looking at language barriers, we want to ensure that 
uh, we're able to reach uh, the most number of people that we can with the podcast, but also uh, really uh, translating uh, what's what the health issues are in Palau uh, in a language that anybody and any, everybody can understand. So uh, they can be part of uh, the discussion as well. Um, how is the podcast helpful in disaster preparedness, preparing people about flu and pandemic? Well, well um, you know, we've just started the podcast and um, uh, as you know, it, it takes a lot of uh, time and uh, uh, resources uh, for the production of uh, episodes. So uh, unfortunately, we haven't been able to, uh, we weren't able to launch it in time for uh, this month, which uh, you know, September is uh, National Preparedness Month, but we will feature, uh, I think, in the next episode, uh, a topic uh, which looks at uh, pre-hospital care or the care that is being uh, given or provided in the community uh, before a patient reaches the hospital. So uh, I think we're looking to feature the Bureau of Public Safety and our, our wonderful uh, emergency uh, uh, our EMTs uh, at the Ministry of Justice, and I think we're also looking to feature some of the our NGO partners, such as Red Cross, and, and seeing what they do out there in the community in terms of um, emergency preparedness and disaster response. Okay, thank you. Where do we go to to listen to your podcast? It's available uh, through the major uh, online streaming services. Uh, I think we can also uh, share the link with um, uh, through our MHHS uh, Facebook page, uh, and, and, and as well as uh, receiving any feedback and comments about the podcast through the the Ministry of Health and Human Services uh, Facebook page. But I think primarily the podcast episodes will be available for uh, streaming on uh, major uh, streaming platforms. Okay, thank you. Um, is it a first of its kind in the Pacific? Um, good question. I, I'm not sure if it's the first of its kind. I, I know that there's other uh, podcasts out there that are, are health-focused uh, or health-specific, but it's certainly the first in Palau for us to be uh, launching a podcast that is dedicated uh for the health issues and health uh, care system in Palau. Pacific Prepared Palau-based reporter Janice Roitingna speaking with the Ministry of Health about their newly created podcast. You can find it on most major podcast streaming services and across social media platforms too. What's your plan? Are you ready to leave your home? Plan now before disaster strikes. Pacific Prepared. When you think about the impacts of climate change, I wonder what comes to mind. Rising sea levels, maybe more storms, more cyclones, more intense storms and more intense cyclones. But what about the effect on your health? Médecins Sans Frontières, also known as Doctors Without Borders, have started providing medical humanitarian assistance to Kiribati. Because it's not just due to climate change, there's other factors too. Kiribati's Minister for Health and Human Services says there's a number of different reasons that the country's health stats are headed in a downward direction and not in a positive way. Minister Sinte Singtang spoke with Marion Farr from ABC's Pacific Beat. 
I, I don't think we know, I don't think I know the answer to that too, about why a lot of these statistics are actually getting worse. Uh, I think it's uh, through, if we did, we, we wouldn't have the problem, obviously. Um, but it's actually interesting because uh, as, as, as we start to engage with, with, with more organizations and obviously MSF have done a lot of field work um, and ground work uh, since, since February, since they first entered the country, um, but if I take you, uh, if, if I take things aside, and uh, and uh, I think one of the issues we have, because we're such a small and and very isolated country, uh, is is um, loss or I guess eventual losing of competent staff and 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 skill level. Um, a lot of the staff, a lot of our staff in in Giribis, medical staff, that is. Um, do not have the opportunity for further continuing uh, medical education, medical or nursing education, as you would say, or, or general professional medical education. Um, and the other is uh, a, a typical example is we we went to New Zealand uh, in August of this year and we had the chance to talk to the Pacific Leprosy Foundation in, in Christchurch. Uh, and they showed us uh, some really nice data which showed that they did some work in Giribas probably about close to about 10 years ago, and the number of uh, leprosy cases went down almost, uh, it didn't go quite down to zero, but became very, very small. And then the whole project stopped. And then because back then we thought the problem was over, a lot of those staff with those skills got diverted to other resources, obviously because of lack of resources. And now we're seeing a huge resurgence in, in leprosy. So I think that is one. Obviously, it's not the, the the only problem, but that is one of the contributing factors to 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 the to the sort of worsening statistics. Uh, I, I don't know the I don't know how we're going to solve it, uh, uh, Marion, but that is why we're here, uh, um, engaging with MSF um, to help us help us learn, help us uh, um, correct uh, what needs correcting, and and more importantly, uh, help to give us the insights so that uh, moving into the future. Uh, we can at least try to to make an improvement on these statistics. Mm. And Minister, just one final question. We know that the Pacific is facing the, you know, the ever persistent kind of threat of climate change and that that can have an impact on people's health. How is climate change impacting, yeah, the health and well-being of people on Kiribati? I know there's been quite a bit of drought in Kiribati um, in recent years. Is that something that's, yeah, that's affecting people's health? Y- yes, it's, uh, thank you, Marion, for raising that. And, and, uh, I, I, I believe, uh, climate change is real. It, it is here. And we stepped off the plane in Brisbane Friday last week, and the first thing we saw on TV was was the flooding in in, in Queensland in Victoria. It's devastating. The effect on on the people here has has, has been most uh, has been very very uh, sort of has had some very negative uh, consequences. And and uh, we uh, we reach out to them and we feel for them. Um, and it's funny because. Uh, Last last two days, coming back from Canberra uh, with meetings with DFAT and the Minister of Health, uh, Minister Butler, uh, it was good to raise some of these issues. Now, funnily enough, uh, I'm not going to talk about uh, droughts because I'll talk about probably the opposite. Um, um, in July this year, we, we had a sort of prolonged episode of rainfall. Um, and out of that, um, we had an outbreak of dengue fever. 
and this was on the eastern part of the main island, South Tarawa. We had about four cases, and as I'm sure you may be aware, Marion, the World Health Organization classes, class, classifies one case as an outbreak. Um, and I, I think dengue fever, among other things, typifies some of what I believe will be some of the, the diseases associated with climate change. Uh, and, and that is certainly one of the diseases that affects people in Giribas. Um, but funnily enough, after talking to the officials at DFAT, the, the, there have been some quite smart, innovative um, solutions. Um, and one that I talk of and one that, I, that jumps to mind is the, the Wolbachia Mosquito Program, which was uh, initially funded by DFAT. And funnily enough, talk, after talking to them, um, the parts of the island where the Wolbachia release was most comprehensive has not had a single outbreak of dengue or chikungunya um, for the last 10 years. Um, and um, and the, the part of the island where there has been the least amount of Wolbachia, and this is obviously in part due to the lockdown over during uh, the COVID crisis, um, that, that is where we, we saw the, the outbreak of four cases. So I... Uh, I there's obviously going to be a lot more within 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 climate change and, and climate change health related diseases, um, but but I, I I give you one example which I think is is, is most topical, and one which which will obviously have a, a, a more global impact as as whether unpredictability becomes more prominent. Kiribati Minister for Health and Human Services, Sintai Singtang, speaking in Sydney after launching the new project. It's the first kind of partnership that Doctors Without Borders has with a Pacific country. And the organisation's medical coordinator for Kiribati told Marion Farr that she hopes it will make a big difference. Disaster is part of our life and recovering is also part of our life. As you see, they're smiling despite the devastation. That's how we are. You are listening to Pacific Prepare. The project has really three main aims. Um, and was designed with the with the Ministry of Health. Um, so the the first being um, working on improving neonatal outcomes. Um, so outcomes for newborns, specifically in the first 24 hours from delivery in the first 24 hours. Um, very connected to that is um, the the project aims to improve the screening, diagnosis, and management of. Uh, diabetes in pregnant women. Um, so that's uh, pre-existing diabetes. And uh, as you probably know, the, the diabetes prevalence rates are very high in the Pacific Islands. Um, in Kiribati, probably one of the highest globally, the prevalence rate of diabetes generally. And diabetes in pregnancy is um, has very serious uh, complications for mum and, and the baby. And the third is more infrastructure support for a hospital located on the island that's referred to often as Tab North. And this is a a district hospital that serves the eight islands around it um, that has, um, that really does require some infrastructure report. So uh, support Um, energy is a, is a big problem. The water system is a big problem and we're trying to introduce some, let's say, more environmentally friendly, sustainable options for energy. So we're looking at um, solar power to support that hospital and then some infrastructure work 
starting off really to 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 look at the delivery room maternity units and um, what services uh, should be upgraded to support uh, pregnant women delivering in this hospital and that may evolve um, over time um, depending on on what the main needs seem to be as we're as we start working there more um, more in- intensively the Minister mentioned that he approached MSF with this sort of suggestion of forming a partnership um, and wasn't sure how it would be received, given that MSF often works in sort of disaster situations. Why yeah. did the organisation decide that this was something that was really important to pursue? Well, I think it's quite interesting because, as the Minister mentioned, really this is one of the countries in this region, but even in the world, that has one of the highest burdens of disease um, he mentioned TB and leprosy, that uh, the leprosy rates are, are really the highest globally. TB, one of the highest globally. Access to primary health care. Um, Kiribati is, is actually has one of the lowest um, access to primary health care. So, uh, and that's partly due to the remoteness, but also partly due to, to some of the issues around being a very small country where you, you know, you, it's not feasible to be training doctors. So it requires uh, doctors training to be done in, in other countries and then returning. Um, and I think the um, the minister also mentioned this this risk that then perhaps you'll you, you might end up training someone who then who then goes and works in another country. Um, so for us it was very interesting to see that this was a uh, a country with a really high burden of disease and actually where there are there are governments present and, and big stakeholders present but really there isn't the presence of uh, an organization such as ours that's very practical um, and not connected politically um, so for us there were clear needs which is the the starting point of uh, of our interest in working in any country clear needs that were not being met and we did see what could be the added value of MSF as a very practical organisation um, that could assist in in um, in such a context. And and we believe we hope to have some effect. I mean, we we're very optimistic as as to what MSF with the Ministry of Health could be able to do as regards improving outcomes over time. And now one thing I'd like to touch on is the topic of climate change because the Pacific, um, you know, is facing this ever persistent threat of climate change and that has impacts on people's health. How do you see that sort of playing into the broader health situation and complications that Kiribati is facing and how might MSF sort of help address that? Yeah, well, this has been written about quite clearly, actually, and, and even with Kiribati as, as an example of how climate change is impacting um, health outcomes. Um, a couple of the examples I could give you perhaps are around the um, uh, the TB rates, for example. One, one of the, the reasons for this is considered to be that people are leaving outer islands and moving to Tarawa. Tarawa is becoming very populated. People are living much more closely together. Um, on top of that, of course, you have the increased spread of tuberculosis also related to this high prevalence of diabetes that impacts on the, the spread of tuberculosis as well. So people moving from outer islands 
onto um, Tarawa. Um, because there is soil erosion, there is the salinization of uh, water and water points, and this affects the, even the space that people have to, to grow vegetables, um, even the quality of the water. So there are lots of, uh, I, I know the, the minister mentioned dengue, this is theoretically expected to to increase as uh, with the changes in in the climate, um, but hopefully there's some strategies in place that will uh, reduce this happening. But certainly, there there are issues in food insecurity, and this is likely more important on outer islands rather than in Tarawa. Um, access to fish. Uh, anecdotally, some of the local people have told us that the, the fish they're managing to, to find are actually much smaller than they used to be many years ago. So there, there seem to be, you know, many changes um, around uh, water temperatures increasing and how that affects um, the, the fishing stock. Marion Farr from ABC's Pacific Beat Programme with that story. We need to be prepared for the future. Helping you stay safe. We have built a seawall two times, but it did no good. What happens when something goes wrong and how do they respond to it? Plan this time before disaster strike. Every natural disaster gets worse. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. If you're hearing this, you're obviously interested in the Pacific which is why I wanted to let you know about ABC Pacific website. You can listen back to anything you hear on the program, and it's just a good way for you to connect with us. You can share information, maybe you're working on something in the disaster preparedness space, or maybe you've got some feedback for us. There's also a heap of links on there that you might be interested in. Pacific Beat for all your news and current affairs in the Pacific. And for all the latest sports news, you've got Can You Be More Pacific? The easiest way to get in touch, just search for ABC Pacific, then scroll down to the Connect With Us section. There's lots of ways to contact us there. What's your plan? Are you ready to leave your home? Plan now before disaster strikes. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared is supported by the Pacific Media Assistance Scheme with funding from the Australian Government's Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. Any views expressed do not necessarily represent those of PACMAS or the Australian Government. It's produced and distributed in partnership with Radio Australia and networks across the Pacific, including Radio New Zealand Pacific, NBC Papua New Guinea, Palau Wave Radio, Capital FM 107 Vanuatu, FBC Fiji, Samoa National Radio 2AP, SIBC, Solomon Islands Broadcasting Corporation, and TBC Tonga. If your organisation is working in disaster preparedness or resilience, keep us informed so that we can keep everybody informed. Maybe you've got a story idea, a personal experience to share, 
a topic to cover or someone that we should meet, the easiest way to get in touch is to search for Pacific Prepared and then scroll down to the Connect With Us section. You can also listen back to the program. Just type Pacific Prepared into your search engine and you'll find us. And we're also on the ABC Listen app. conversations about disasters. What would you do and how will you prepare? We're trying to help you make the next disaster easier for you and your family. My name's Fred Hooper. Please share any information that you've learned today and stay safe. This has been Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared.